I'll wait until Fred gets here. Anybody know any jokes? Clean jokes, Sunday morning church jokes? No, I'm just kidding. We didn't coordinate our shirts either. I, I very rarely, this is the only black shirt that I own, by the way. But we just happen to wear black shirts on the same day. I know you heard I'm talking about giving. Some of you are like, oh, great. Here we go. And I don't blame you, to be honest with you, but it's really more to it than just giving. And really kind of clarifying, um, you know, giving. I guess let me give you one of my statements. This is one of my last statements, and I think we're kind of lead into that. But let's see here. Paul was saying the same grace that fuels our living should fuel our giving. And we're going to get to that here in just a minute. So... I was glad to get last Sunday when you talked about, I don't have a, it's not buttoned up. I have to do this kind of weird. Right here? Right there? Higher? Higher? Right there. Is that good? Am I warm? Am I cold? There we go. All right. Okay. I was glad you said last, you know, Sunday that you weren't really going to dive into the, t- the whole tithing issue because I'm, I'm going to talk about it. Uh, pretty comprehensively because, you know, many of us, if not all of us being in church, it's just, it's a common thing is the tithe offerings. And in in, in my case, I can take it, you know, tithing, you know, 2.0. I mean, I can go into all sorts of different things, but it's pretty common. But the question is this, is God requiring me to tithe and is, and is God withholding blessings from me because I'm not tithing? And that's, uh, and I think many of us could, could honestly say, you know, you know, no, you know what I mean? But it's, it's going to be nice to be able to take a foundation and put it underneath that. And we're going to look, it's not completely comprehensive, but it's going to be pretty thorough. So when you walk out these doors, you're going to have a, a pretty, pretty good arsenal of Scripture that you're going to be able to t- tie into and kind of, kind of clear up some, some miscommunications about that. But let me say this, or, you know, let me also say this. I'm supposed to have a PowerPoint or some verses on the screen. I'm not sure if that was going to be able to happen. And is that, was that able? Where we, we tried to, it was a last-minute thing, so if it doesn't work out, oh, there we go. Um, Let's see here. That's way in the middle. We got to go way up to the top. Are they in order? I think they were supposed to be in order. I think the very first. Um, oh yeah, you're good. You're good. All right, we're good. I'm sorry. You're you're perfect. Right where we need to be. All right. Now, let me pray real quick. Calm my mind, and we'll get started. Father, we thank you so much, Lord. I'm so excited just to be able to teach and to preach. And not just your word, your spirit, but to your people. And Lord, for many of us, this is just reinforces in us something you've started a long time ago. I wish this had started when I first got saved. I wish I was able to have the opportunity to be able to start living from Christ the very moment I got saved. But Lord, I believe you took my path and you guided me through so I could get to a point today where I could help bring others out of a lot of the confusion and, Lord, the miscommunications, Lord, that, that have plagued us and are even burdening us now in our giving. And, Father, I just pray, Lord, that, Lord, I know your word's going to speak. May you give me uh, just the words to say. And, Lord, I know your spirit will give revelation where it's needed. In Jesus' name, amen. But tithes, offerings, 
missions, faith promise, seed sowing, giving are all the hot topics in church today. And even the casual church attender understands that church, that the church takes it very serious, don't they? I mean, giving was all, we, we, would, we would literally have conferences that would just be strictly just about giving. Now, we would, we would disguise it as missions, you know what I'm saying, but it was really just about giving, about getting people, and usually it would be in the fall time, things like that. Now, let me say this as a side note. I'm not trying to condemn any church or denomination or any, any body's, um, you know, their intentions, what a lot of what I'm saying. I'm, that's not my point. My point is not to say, well, they, they're, they're, they're having a, a, a series on giving. Therefore, the, all their intentions are to try to get money, and that's all they care about. That's, I, I can't, you know, a lot of what I'm saying is going to come from Scripture. And I, I, I know a lot of really good people, even myself, when, in, when I was wrapped up in a lot of this stuff, I was just teaching and preaching what I have been taught. But the Holy Spirit, like he so often does, changes things when you really start getting into the, into the Word of God. So I'm not trying to, to indict anybody because they, they do faith promise missions or even if they would use the word tithe in the vernacular when they talk about giving to God. I don't care if you want to say, well, I'm giving my tithe to God. That's not the point. The point's not you know, whether or not you say you give a tithe or not. But we'll, let's dive in here and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. But here's the question, though. Even though it's a hot topic in church, but does the Bible teach what is commonly taught regarding tithing? That's the big question. If you, if you were to take what is commonly taught and is well accepted in church today, you would have to answer the question what? Yes. You would have to answer yes. But this is the crazy thing. Even though the teaching of tithing is most common among churches, you realize that less than 10% of evangelical or neo-evangelical churches practice what we would consider to be tithing or giving 10% of their income. Less than 10% do. And I'm not talking about Mormons because Mormons aren't gospel-preaching churches. Now, a lot of their businesses, they'll just take the tithe right out of your check. You know what I mean? That's, and we used to laugh about that. Man, we ought to set them. And the Mormons know what they're doing. No, they don't. <laughs> Hello, time out. You know what I'm saying? Big problem, red flag. You know, so, but anyhow. But let me say, let me say this. And this is my opinion. Uh, when it, what, everything I'm fixing to tell you here is just kind of, kind of a conclusion that I've kind of come to in my opinion when it really comes to this. Um, why do churches cleave to this teaching of tithing so hard, even though the Bible teaches otherwise, what is the big deal? It's, it's very simple. It's, it's money. It, it really is money. That's the whole thing. Um, I think in our church culture today in America, we, we don't know how to quantify the hand of God moving apart from buildings and people and, you know, just stuff. That's just, it's really embedded into us. And you get some, some well-intended people that are really with good intentions of trying to reach out and get things growing and going. And then things start, they start, uh, you know, they, they don't, they're not growing as fast as they want. Well, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to look at what most churches, other churches are doing to grow and let's do what they do. Well, all those things come at, at an expense. And then once you got all the machinery going, regardless, you can no longer be driven anymore by your values. 
You're driven now by a spreadsheet. Well, man, we've got to make the budget. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And therefore, you forfeit your right to literally live by faith. And I know money, and, and, and I know even a lot of good people can be tied up into this, but, but this is the thing. So but why hold on to tithing? Well, tithing is a great avenue, and don't miss this, to capitalize on man's feeling indebted to God. Think about that. It's a great opportunity because this is the deal. I was long into my Christian experience. I never was able to shake the idea, yes, I know Jesus paid it all, but now I'm indebted to him with everything that I have. Now, that sounds good, but was that what's God, is that why Jesus paid it all for me? Did he, take, did he pay the check and say, hey, guess what? I took care of it, but you owe me now. You're going to owe me in money. You're going to owe me in service. So now the motivation for why I give and what I do and how I do it and why I do it is flawed from the very beginning. And what church has done, you know, whether it be intentional or unintentional, has capitalized on the fact that man naturally operates in a deficit with God. But the good news is this. Jesus did pay it all. And we never operate in a deficit with God. Never. Never. You are no longer in a deficit with God. Think about that. And it takes time to shake that. It takes time of really mulling over this thing and, and rehashing it and rehashing it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And I'm hoping as we go through these scriptures and as we look at this, there might be some right now, man, that, that bondage of, man I, just, man, I just had something go wrong and I know why it is. It's because I'm not giving like I ought to. It's because I'm not doing like I ought to. Now, now on another side note, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be fiscally responsible with your money. You know what I'm saying? God's not obligated by no means just to, you could be dumb with your money and and expect everything to work out right. Look, if you spend more money than you make, you know, you're probably going to have an issue eventually. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of things, man, you you know, we can, you can make some good financial decisions and that's a whole nother category. And I don't want to dive into that. Because I am nowhere near qualified to talk about that. Amen. Maybe talk to my wife. You know what I mean? If those of you that are familiar with the Dave Ramsey thing, and you are, we've talked about it. He says one's the nerd, one's the free spirit. I'm like the free spirit all the way. Dawn is the nerd. You know what I mean? She is. Don't, is she in here right now? No, good. Thank God. Anyway. But second, Ty, uh, I'm sorry, second Timothy. Second Timothy talks about this, or what I would say, some form of this. He says this. He says, "For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears." Um, now, now think about this. And in, in, in just about every situation that I've ever seen this or heard this preach, is that up on the screen? Did y'all see that? And just about every situation this is always brought up, it's always people that want to feel good about their sin and they're asking preachers to come and make light of what? Sin, right? You don't want to make it easy on sin 
And so they're going to find them teachers. They're going to tell them the things that they want to hear. So it's usually always sin-focused. Sin but I can say this. In my experience, when it comes to grace and it comes to law, there are scores of people, if they came in here and I said you don't have to tithe, their head would literally explode. <sighs> what are you talking? Have you lost your mind? Don't you know you're cursing people by telling them that? Don't you want God's blessings to come on? I mean, it's, it's, it's not just sin. I believe the, the, the idea of this hybrid of law and grace and wanting law, and, and we're seeing the trend now of more people are wanting law involved in this whole thing, it, it's, that's just as much itching the ears and making us feel good about what we're trying to do and what our accomplishments are in the ministry. But the reality is grace says, listen, you don't have any accomplishments. We're celebrating the accomplishment of Christ. Yes, and I look, I know that's, that, I, I know that we, we don't know what to do with that. We're just like, man, I just, you know, I got to do something. You know what I mean? Look, rest. Rest in this truth. Rest in this. And that's hard to do. But although many of us have lived in fear and bondage and the idea that God is not, that God, God is not withholding blessings from us, he, will, he is allowing mishaps to happen to us because we are not paying the tithes. Anybody ever heard that before? God's going to get it out of you. I think you alluded to it a little bit. The Godfather. You know what I mean? He's going he's to get it out of you one way or the other. But understand this. The truth is God is not, not requiring us to tithe. And he's not withholding blessings nor sending curses uh, uh, based, on, uh, based on our giving. We base this conclusion on what I'm about to show you next. And, and number one, I've got, I got five points to go through. Why five? Because I couldn't think of six. Amen? So, and I ended up making one last point because I wanted to stress it. By the way, let me say this. And we were talking about this, making a, we were going to talk about, you know, giving, you know, new covenant giving. And here's the point. If I started off teaching you how, what, how, to, how to give in the new covenant, I've already failed. You know what I'm saying? Bar none. I, I can't teach you, you know what I'm saying, how to give in the new covenant. I'm just going to let you know you're free to give how, God, how the Holy Spirit leads you. You say, well, what about the church? What about the church? Well, don't the church have bills to pay? Yes, the church has the bills to pay. And coming up here in a few weeks, we're going to let you know all about the intimate details about the bills that the church has to pay. And we are by faith as a church trusting that the Spirit of God is going to work in you and it's going to provide. I'm not going to stress about it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to trust by faith that everybody, we are collectively as a group saying, you know what, we need to keep this thing going in the way that it's going. And better yet, see if God wants us to expand and do more than what we're doing now, you see. So anyway, but number one is this. When it comes to tithing, tithing was a very specific act of law given to the nation of Israel. Hebrews 7, 5 says this, And verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take the tithes of the people according to the what? Don't miss that. According to the law. That is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. Now here we find Hebrews 
He's alluding to a, a very particular subject, talking about tithing, talking about the Levites. And he's going back and reminding them of what was told to them by the law in the book of, uh, let's see here, of Numbers. Numbers 18.26. Is that up there? All right, great, good. We're doing good, man. Thumbs up. It'll probably go sideways somewhere eventually, but that don't worry. Numbers says this, Thus speak unto the Levites, and say unto them, where you take of the children of Israel the tithes which I have given, given you from them from uh, your inheritance, then you shall offer up the heave offering of it for the Lord, even the tenth part of the tithe. Now, because tithing was a specific act of law, it, was, it, was, it stipulates, or I like to say the, the what, the when, and the who of tithing. Now, why is this important? Because today... We like to throw tithing out here like, like tithing now is what tithing was then. You see what I mean? And you have to understand what was tithing in the Bible. And we're about to see what it was. Now the who, the what, or the what, the when, and the who of tithing. The what, the tithe was 10% of all the nation of Israel had. Now keep in mind, the currency then was grain, Hogs. No, it wasn't hogs. You know what I mean? It was cows. You know what I'm saying? Sorry, some of my southern roots just plopped out there. You know what I mean? Bloop. I'm thinking the first animal I'd want to eat was a pig, so might as well throw him out there. Uh, but anyway, but it, that's what it was. Their, their first fruits. Now, the wind, or the, the next was the wind. The fir, whatever they got right off the top went right to the Levites. And the Levites, uh, they were, in, they were, they were uh, endowed with being the high priest, and they took care of everything. But they could not work. They could not own land. They couldn't have a job. So they had to take of the offerings and, and take care of themselves, and then, and then, and then they took care of it there uh, at what they call the storehouse, I should say. We'll get to that here in just a second. And the who was the Levites. Now... Law has no gray area and is all or nothing. Can we, can we agree with that? That's, that's the nature of the law. The law never grades on a curve. The law never says, you know what, since you put it that way, I may reconsider this, this all over again. Why is this important? Because tithing was an act of law and had a specific requirements... And that would be that 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 would be uh, the and what would be taught as tithing today would not be considered as tithing unless you purposely change what the tithe is. Now, bear with me. I know this is a little boring, but I'm getting there. It's very important to understand this. Notice what is said in John one seventeen. So, what is talked about as tithe today? would not be considered as tithe according to the scriptures. By the way, is there any Levites in here today? I got news. Justin, he's not a Levite. Are you a Levite? Why? We're not Levites in here? No? Now, we have a high priest, but that's a whole different story when it comes to taking tithes. But notice what John 1.17 says. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by who? Jesus Christ. Law came by Moses, and Moses never changed the definition of tithing. Never did. Tithing was always the who? Levites. The what? First fruits. And, the, and, and, and uh, I, I'm sorry, I got, I got myself confused on this one. 
the what? 10%, the when, the first fruits, and the who? The Levites. Now, notice what Jesus told the Pharisees. Because before I get into this, I, I, I was going to talk about this, but I got way too much material. But there, there is kind of a common thought that some will say, well, you know, you don't understand. The law was, uh, the, the tithing was preceded by the law. That Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek. See, so you got law. Now, this is how far some will go. I mean, this is some really, you know, biblical gymnastics. You got to try to twist here and say, well, you see, Abraham gave, gave a, a tithe to Melchizedek. And, and so there, that was before Moses gave the law. So therefore, law prece- uh, the tithing preceded this. And, and that's, that's why we need to continue to do it. Really? Is that, is that what Abraham, he took the tent of the spoils of war, and then he gave it to somebody that, look, what do we know about Melchizedek? We know little to nothing about Melchizedek other than the fact that he is a, he is a, a precursor to Christ. That's it. And, and, and just, so you can't consider that to be the uh, you can't consider that to be preceding or, or tithing preceded the law. But here, this is the kicker for this. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 23, 23, 23 when it comes to that argument. He says, "Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted omitted the weightier matters of the what of the law." So here, Jesus himself said that tithing was a matter of what? Of law. That's what it was. Judgment, mercy, faith, these ought you to have done, and not you leave these undone. Christ said that tithing is a matter of law. Can we be settled on that? All right, here we go. Number two, when Christ ushered in the new covenant, our relationship to the old covenant changed. Now, on the next point, I'm going to throw a curve at you and remind you that we were never invited in the first covenant to begin with. But just in case, let's go ahead and tackle this. <laughs> Hebrews 7, or chapter 7, notice what he says here. I love this, man. This makes me want to shout when I get to the very bottom of this. And I might shout. You never know. Anyway, if therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood. Man, don't you love that? Therefore, if perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord, now don't miss this, sprang out of where? Judah, of which the tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. And it is yet far more evident that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest, who is made not after the law of the carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. If the law could have perfected us, there would have been no need for Jesus to come. If the law could have done the job, if the first covenant would have been able to have been succeeded, 
then there would have been no reason for Jesus to come in the first place. Now, understand this. What he's talking about in Hebrews, he's pointing out an interesting fact about Christ, our Lord. He's saying that Christ is considered to be our high priest, correct? Yes, he is. But there's there's an issue with that on the basis of law. According to law, Christ would have never been qualified to be a high priest. Does anybody know why? Because he wasn't a Levite. He was from which tribe? Judah. The law by itself, in the rigidness of the law, would have told Christ, I'm sorry, man, you you, you can't be a high priest. But you know what? He is our high priest. Because Jesus didn't come change the law, Jesus changed our relationship to law altogether with a brand new priesthood. And now he's our high priest. Isn't that good? Man, boom, changed it because he's our high priest. Notice Romans. And by the way, we're teaching through Romans now on Wednesday nights. And we're going to be getting into Romans 7. And we're we're trying our best to get through Romans 6. But the guy moderating that thing, he just, he cannot stay on point. No, I'm just kidding. It's good stuff. But notice what he says in 7, Romans 7, 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye are also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Notice Romans 10, 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Sounds like to me Paul is trying to draw a very clear line in the sand when it comes to our relationship to law, isn't it? Very clear. Now, look at, ver- uh, I'm sorry, number three. Number three, we as Gentiles were never included into the law covenant with Moses. Newsflash, Gentiles arguing law facts. In reality, they never were invited. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is craziness. Look what Ephesians, I love what Paul says in Ephesians. Ephesians says, wherefore, remember... That you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision, by which is called the circumcision, in the flesh made by hands, that at times you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, here's the thing. That word alien, it means, from the Greek, it means to be a non-participant. That's what it is. Now, here's the thing. A little side note, if I can. I got a little bit of time. If you go into Romans, and we'll get into this. I don't know. Are we going to go past Romans 10 at all? Do you know? It just depends where the Spirit leads. Well, as you get into 9, 10, uh, I'm sorry, not 10, when you get into 9 and 10, 
You find Paul dealing with, with uh, the, the Jews at Rome about the fact that the Gentiles were getting saved and they were becoming part of the church. Now, the, the Jews were just irate. They, they couldn't believe this. They're like, man, are you lost your mind? There was problems between Paul and Peter on this issue. They couldn't believe that these Gentiles who never one time made a sacrifice, never one time went to the holiest of holies, never one time even cared or thought that they could be invited into eternal life. I mean, that was scandalous. That's grace, amen? That's what that is. They were having a hard time with it then. And here's the fact that these Gentiles were aliens, non-partakers, never even cared about who Jehovah God was, have now been invited into this whole thing. And they were never invited into the first covenant. Number four is this. If failing to tithe puts us under a curse... Now, I'm going to get to the curse here in just a second. But I want us to see through... I want to, when we dive into Malachi, when we go into that, that, that crazy place, I want us to have our good New Covenant goggles on so it makes sense. You know what I mean? But anyway, if failing to tithe puts us under a curse, why didn't Paul and the apostles tell us to keep tithing? I mean, really, Paul? I mean, of all the things you're going to cover, you're just going to forget to tell us about the curse of not tithing and having blessings on my finances? Have you lost your mind? But let's look at Malachi 3. Malachi chapter 3. Anybody ever seen this before? Anybody ever, everybody ever seen this verse before? Verses. This is usually how you start off any conference when it comes to giving. Let's go to Malachi. <laughs> Chapter 3, verse 6, and we'll read through verse 11. Or you can read it on the screen. Or you don't read it. Or you can just listen to me talk. I really don't care. <laughs> it says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Thank God. Amen? Yes. But the new covenant isn't about God changing his mind about sin. You see what I mean? It's about God changing us in relation to sin. See, that's the difference. That is the difference. So why do we know that? So now we can read the rest of this and say, huh, that's interesting. Feel bad for them at that time. But let's notice what it says here. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I'll return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein? Shall we return? Now, can you feel the spirit in these verses and how how they're said? Doesn't that lend so much to what you're used to hearing when it comes to giving and comes to doing? I mean, this will preach in multiple churches. And the people will be like, give me more. This is what we need. That's what's wrong with America. We need more of this. But notice in verse 8, he says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, everybody knows that the storehouse is the church. Amen? Everybody, you knew that, right? Now, we used to argue this, and, you know, what sto- it's called storehouse tithing, and it's a whole, you know, that the, you know, that the, the arguing the fact that the church is supposed to be the storehouse. But the storehouse is not the church. Amen. Uh, so you can't throw that into this whole category. And that's a whole other thing I should never even said. But let's go on. 
He says that there are many be meat in my house. Improve now where herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour ye out a blessing, and there shall not be room enough to receive it. And here we go, verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of the ground, neither shall your vine cast your fruit before time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. It is in these verses is where you find most churches' theology on tithing. This is where you find it. For many of us, these are trigger verses of fear, but it's time to be set free from that. Amen? Time to be breaking the bondage of that stuff. If, the ble- if blessings and curses are hinged on our giving, why did this teaching not carry over into the new covenant? Why didn't Paul talk about it? Why didn't Peter talk about it? Why didn't they say, oh, by the way, guys, make sure you tithe because the devourer is down in the dungeon and we'll set that sucker loose any moment. (laughs) And if you don't give, if you don't give, your tires are going down, your transmissions are going out, don't even think about that new job you applied for. No, sir. He's going to show up and hot water heaters and power bills, it's going to go nuts. You see what I mean? We laugh. But it's great we have the liberty now that we can laugh about this. But I'm telling you right now, scores and scores of people are right now looking at their paycheck. And it's not going to be enough. There's more month than there is paycheck. And they're thinking, man, if, you know, I want to be, I wish I had God's help on this. But until I can start giving my 10%, I'm not even going to go to God for help. I used to sit down with couples, and I'm not proud about this, and sit down with them and try to help them straighten their life out. And on my list of things I had to break the news with them about was, are you tithing? If you're not, you need to start doing that. First, right off the top. What's that, credit card? No. Power bill? No, just trust God. Card? No, 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 just trust God. And just wait and see. And trust me, I was the one waiting to see. And I was like, dear God, please come through for these people because it don't look good. They call me and say, hey, has something happened? I'm like, yes, thank God. Because now I was carrying the burden of all this. And what happens when things didn't work out? So look at Galatians. Now, now did Paul talk about curses? Yes, he did. But let's look at what he talks about when it comes to curses. Galatians chapter 3. <laughs> this is blew my mind when I ran across this. I just couldn't believe it. Notice what he says here. Paul says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the what? Curse. Now stop there. Time out. We talked about law, right? Is tithing a work of the law? Yes or no? Yes, it is. So here we find Paul talks about operating under a curse. Now, let me give you a little... What does that mean, a cur- operating under a curse? Now, I used... I still am to some degree. When I was in Chicago, Bible college, I never cared about baseball when I lived down here. But when I went there, being in a, in, a, in a baseball city, I became a Cubs fan. And I was there when the Cubs, on two separate occasions, came so close to getting a pennant. And, and operating under curse was like being a Cubs fan. It didn't matter how good the season was. It didn't matter how well they were doing in the playoffs. 
You just knew in the back of your mind the Cubs were destined to fail. They were going to blow it somehow. Somehow the devourer was going to come up and this whole, they'll never make it to the World Series. Now, thank God, somehow they broke that curse. But the idea of operating under curse, you may think you're clicking gone good, operating under a mixture of law and grace. But let me tell you what, if you're trying to live from law, you're destined for failure. You're destined for it. You're operating under a curse. If you're thinking that God's blessings are somehow behind this heavenly window, and right now, you know what I mean, one of the disciples is up there waiting to hit the button because, because wait, did he give it? He gave it. Boom. And then drop it down. And wow, man, it hit me. If that's, if that's what you're in, we're thinking when it comes to blessings, the idea we operate from a place of blessings. We live from a place of blessings. Blessings, we, we're so blessed, we don't know what to do with it. Because thank God our blessings isn't hinged on finances. Isn't that great to know? It's good to know that, yes, it's nice to have your finances taken care of, but at the end of the day, man, when, when Jesus said it's more, or when they, when, when in the book of Acts, when they quoted Jesus saying it's more blessed to give than to receive, you know what that means? That means that it's blessed because your needs are met in abundance that you can help somebody else with their needs. He wasn't saying just what you need to give that away and just sit there and say, well... I hope God does something big. You know what I'm saying? It, he, what he was saying was, your needs are met in, that's the place I want to be. But a place of blessing. But here he says that they that work, the, the, the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So what is Paul saying here? Well, look, if you're going to win at the law, you better do them all. But I got news for you. It's impossible. So why don't you just come to Christ? If you're going to try to live from law, it's not picking and choosing what you want to do. It's either all or nothing. But thank God we have Christ. Notice what he says in verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Amen? Redeemed. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And by the way, we are crucified with Christ. Amen? Nevertheless, we live. And that leads me to the last point. What does Paul say about giving? Did Paul ever talk about giving? Yes, he did. But I get news for you. It's contrary to what we see in Malachi. You know how many times Paul mentioned tithe in the New Testament? Anybody know? Zero. You know how many times Peter talked about tithing? Zero. Zero. I know it's hard to believe. Twice in the Gospels, Jesus mentioned tithe, and we read one of them this morning. So, anyway, look at 2 Corinthians. And you talked about this last week, but I'm going to say it again. Amen? <laughs> tell them what you're going to tell them, then you tell them, then tell them what you told them. And maybe they'll remember. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. What's Paul say? He says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Two key words. He says, not what? Grudgingly. Or out of what? Necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. 
that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now, what was Paul saying here? Paul was making a point about your source. That's what he's making a point about. The source. Now, Justin said a scandalous thing. Another one. Yes, last week. And he said, stop giving from behind this sacred desk. You believe that? Just stop giving if you're not giving from the right source. Stop. I know that's hard. You know what I mean? It's hard, but listen. We want you to give. We want it to be with the right motivation. So last week you saw Justin's heart. This week you're seeing my heart. We're on the same page with this whole thing. We're on the same page. We're not sitting in the office thinking, all right, let's find a new creative way to make him give. You know what I'm saying? Can't, let's go back to law, Justin. No, we can't do that. I said, man, it works. At least 9% of, 9% of the time it works. But anyway, so... But anyway, I'm just kidding. I just put, a, I just put a, a crazy thought in everybody's head. We're in the office. What are they doing in there? Figuring out ways to make you give. Anyway, Paul says the same grace that fuels your living should fuel your what? Your giving. It should. Truth is, our Father is the most generous Father. And we are His sons and daughters, and we have His generous heart within us. We do. If we are to feel the pressure in giving, it should come with seeing the needs we would like to meet but are unable to meet them. And you do feel the pressure. You do. Because we're in a world that's surrounded with needs. And it's, it's tough. It is tough. It's tough just seeing things you would like to be able to help and, and meet and you not being in the position to do it. And see, that, if there's anything that's going to motivate you, you know what I mean, to talk about being responsible with your finances, if there's anything that ought to drive you to say, you know what, I'm going to be a little bit smarter with my money, let those pressures cause you to do that. Not, man, I better start giving because the devourer's coming at any moment. Man, I, I just really want to be close to God, but until I start tithing, I can't. You're not going to hear that from here. But one thing I know is your heart as, as, as his children, I know your heart burns to want to be able to do more and to be able to help more and to be able to give because it's in your DNA and you can't shake it. I love what John says in 3.17. He says, But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother hath need and shutteth the bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? You know what I mean? How? If you have to be prompted and prodded and feared and guilted to give, then there's something wrong with that. And by the way, let me say this. When it comes to giving, there's no way we can just look at the numbers that you give to this church and quantify the spirits moving in your heart to give. Because I would like to think, I would like to believe that when you leave this place throughout the week, the Holy Spirit leads you to give to so many areas that have nothing to do with this church here. And that's, that's decay. That's New Covenant Christianity. And that's the way that we want it to be. But when we sit down and we look at the needs that this church has, the financial needs and electrical needs and roof leak needs and all the different things that we're going to discuss, we're going to work hard to communicate what those needs are and give you the opportunity. And I have no doubt in my mind 
No doubt in my mind that we as a group will be able to come together and continue this going and allow this place to truly be a hospital, a spiritual hospital for people to come get that soothing you know, ointment that they need of, of or just refreshing truth from the gospel. What did you learn at church today? We're not supposed to tithe. <laughs> what? Man, that sounds like heresy to me. Did, don't they read Malachi? They must not read the whole Bible. I don't know what their problems are. If they read that whole Bible, I mean the whole Bible. And look, you saw it this morning in King James. Amen? <laughs> King James. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, we're so, we're so overwhelmed by just your wonderful grace and your love. And Father, we just can't help but to leave here just saying, Lord... We're blessed. I'm so thankful that you changed me. Or better yet, you exchanged me. My life for yours. And Father, we just thank you so much that we have a, a place that we can come. And it's, we would like to believe with all of our hearts this is a safe place. A true safe place. That those can come and can just get the pure grace that is much needed. Lord, we know you're working on us. And Lord, we know that there's still much to learn. And we know that there's times of correction even in our own experience. But Lord, we just pray this morning, when it comes to our giving, may it be fueled by your spirit and nothing else. And Lord, we don't know what that means necessarily. We don't know what that amount is to give with a heart full of grace. I have no clue because there is no amount. There's no set amount. There's no set percentage. It's just seeing those needs and allowing you to work through us to fill those needs. And Lord, just may we be able to have that right, spirit-led, grace-given motivation to give. And we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.